Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, if it's not coronavirus, it is um, crazy riots and police brutality. We're going to be looking today at the question, has the American psyche reached its tipping point? Pandemic, police brutality, and protests run amok. You know, just when we were uh, planning, most of us, some of us, were uh, going to go outside thinking that it was relatively safe and trying to deal with the new normal, whatever that was going to be turning out to be, we have a new abnormal. Never have uh, things been as crazy as they are today. At least, uh, not too, not too gigantic pandemics, um, things that change our life to such a significant degree. I mean, yes, of course, one could make the connection, and I have done that to 9/11. You know, that was uh, that was uh, still, in a way, the worst thing that has ever happened to the U.S. But um, this, what makes this different? is that we were already um, having problems because of the coronavirus uh, pandemic. And now before we have been able to recover from that, we have something else that is pretty humongous to uh, cope with. Now, um, the, there's, and there's a connection in that, you know, what's making this worse, what we're going through now, the... Um, the riots, what's making it worse is that coronavirus lockdowns caused us to lose our humanity. In other words, um, when the incident occurred in Minneapolis where George Floyd was murdered by a, a black George Floyd was murdered by a white cop, um, of course that set off protests. But it's not, it didn't just set off peaceful protests. It set off protests that have been hijacked by um, other groups, other people who have other political aims, like Antifa, like perhaps white supremacists, um, but also by simply people who are thugs who don't really care about George Floyd, who aren't really thinking about how terrible police brutality is to blacks and other minorities, but who are seeing the violence break out and the looting break out and want to join in. Now, there's really a lot more going on here than we can see at this point. There's so much more beneath the surface. I mean, a lot of it is political. People who don't like President Trump um, are trying to destroy America uh, and blame it on him, just like they tried to blame coronavirus on Trump. Um, and there are people 
who are people, organizations, who are in Los Angeles, and I think the same thing has been happening in other places as well, um, people who are depositing big uh, packages, big vans, vats of uh, people coming up in trucks and depositing containers, big containers of rocks. Um, in New York, for example, it was sledgehammers. There were people who were breaking into stores, and then they would go behind one of the, uh, oh, you know, it's, an, it's something that's near a bus stop, like a shelter at a bus stop, and like a three-sided shelter, and they would go in there, and lo and behold, they would come out with uh, hammers or other things, pipes, to smash windows. So it, it really has turned into a um, savage violence, episodes, occasions all over the place of savage violence. Even in, I was doing a radio interview today in Iowa. I mean, you know, it's all over the country. Yes, I think it's the worst in Minneapolis, of course. That's where it started um, because that was where George Floyd was murdered. But it has been in New York city and in Los Angeles, and um, it, it has spread all over the U.S. And actually, even in Europe, um, there are protests at the American Embassy in London, for example. I mean, needless to say, this does not make America look good in the eyes of the rest of the world. And it is so sad because, well, I mean, this is a tragedy from so many different viewpoints, but, um, but it is a certain... It is only certain people who have exploited the incident, um, the murder of George Floyd. Now, let me, let me, um, you know, that, the, the murder, I, I do keep calling it murder. In fact, the main policeman who had his knee on George Floyd's neck for over eight minutes, um, he has been charged with first-degree murder. His name is Derek Chauvin. Um, and the other three policemen who were who took part in holding him down, two of them, and then watch with, one was standing watch, um, they haven't been charged with anything, at least as last I uh, looked into it. Now, they've all been fired, but um, even the main uh, murderer, was um, was not uh, jailed at first, was not arrested at first. So needless to say, those were things that pushed on, got people inflamed, um, because there should have been, they should have all been arrested right away. I mean, you know, it was it was on video that went viral. You can find video of this all over the internet, it was, and it was in broad daylight in the middle of a street. It was not uh, in an alley. It was not, uh, it wasn't nighttime, you know, where you couldn't see what was going on. You could see it. And which is why actually there are some conspiracy theories about how um, some people are thinking, and I really don't know whether this is true or not, but it certainly, I mean, we have to look at all possibilities. At the beginning, I didn't, I was thinking, ah, I don't know if that's true. But the more this has continued to go on with the violence and the looting, the more I have been thinking that there could well be some truth to this. The conspiracy theory is that these police were all part of uh, a scheme 
they were hired by, I mean, they were policemen, they were real policemen, but they were, what, co-opted by um, a group, possibly Antifa, possibly some other group, a group that wanted to see chaos, possibly even a foreign country, like the, some people have been saying this is a Russia's doing or China's doing. Um, but, but the idea is that some group got these four policemen to murder uh, George Floyd, that, you know, uh, they knew what they were doing and that it, the purpose of it in broad daylight and videotaped was to start riots all over the country. Now, think about that. It doesn't seem as uh, hard to believe today as it did perhaps at the very beginning. You know, you think, well, what policemen would give up their career and perhaps be incarcerated um, to do this? Why would it be worth it to them to do this? But, oh, but you know, um, it could well have been, especially... Um, yeah, I, I mean, it just, it just, otherwise, there, there's no way that these people didn't know that it would kill him. Now, of course, the interesting, one interesting aspect of it is that when the police, when the city of Minneapolis did an autopsy at the beginning, um, they, they came out with the results that um, it wasn't asphyxia. It wasn't because the cop had his knee on George Floyd's neck for over eight minutes. Uh, it was because George had cardiovascular disease and high blood pressure. Well, he was fine and breathing and talking um, just before, before um, the police put you know, him down on the floor and, 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 and squished, uh, com- compressed, uh, to be more medical, to c- compress his carotid artery. So, um, so now there has been a, uh, a second autopsy um, by the family, an independent autopsy by Michael Baden, who's very well known and very well respected. And he, in fact, did find that George Floyd died by asphyxiation due to the compression of his carotid artery in his neck. So, um, so here we are. Now, why did this... Uh, incident, which, you know, would have probably in most circumstances, why did it set off such brutality, such um, savagery? Why did it spread all over the United States? Now, if you think about Rodney King in the early 90s, that came about because the officers who were involved in the attack, the brutal arrest, of Rodney King were found not guilty by um, by the by a jury who was trying him, trying them, trying the police, and um, and when that verdict came out, Los Angeles erupted into violence. But it was relatively contained violence. It was in one area of the city, and um, it didn't spread. It, to the degree we're seeing now, it didn't spread all over the United States. I mean, yes, there were other protests and so on, but the protests weren't violent in the way that they are today. So why is that, that there is this difference for the same essential problem, racism in the police, 
in some police. Yes, there are bad apples in the police, just like there are bad apples in teachers and bad apples in doctors and um, any profession. But certainly in the police are not all bad apples and they are not all racist. So why did this um, situation that is, uh, uh, you know, that has lasted for, I mean, there have been, there have been, uh, there has been criticism of the police for racism for years. And of course, a lot of people are saying, well, that's the problem. It doesn't change and it has to change. But it's more than that. It's the fact, as I was alluding to at the beginning, it's the fact that um, we have been locked up. We are angry that we have been locked up. We didn't choose to um, stay at home. Uh, for coronavirus, we were made to to stay at home <laughs> for our own good, right? Um, by mayors and governors around the country, some mayors and governors, and so people were um, building up anger while they were home at the idea that uh, the government, you know, but again, it's it's local government, it's mayors and governors. Certainly, it's not President Trump who wants to. Uh, uh, wanted to keep people in their homes, who was such an advocate for that. I mean, eventually, you know, he was agreeable to it, but he wasn't the one pushing it. Um, so it isn't like, it isn't from the top that uh, the government is forcing their their rules, but it was in, in various cities and counties and states. And so people were already pretty angry. I mean, that's why there were the protests in certain places against the government because of being of the lockdown. So, okay, so we're, we're all kind of, uh, you know, steaming, stewing <laughs> at home and um, being angry at how our rights are being taken away. Then we're allowed to go out. But now, um, you know, as I was talking about in pre- a previous show, there were some people who wanted the quarantine to continue. And I talked about various reasons why some people didn't really want it to end, like um, that, you know, some people enjoyed getting up late, (laughs) binging on uh, television shows, uh, or working from home, or cleaning out their closets and they hadn't finished, or writing a book and they hadn't finished, or wanting to be, um, stay with their partner and their children, you know, having more time to be close with them. Um, and so on. There were reasons why some people weren't just rushing out the doors, but that was their choice. I mean, that was the point. Since we weren't made to stay inside, people had the choice as to whether they wanted to or not. And then, you know, and then some of them decided, well, you know, not yet. Also, of course, another big reason was not being sure whether um, it was safe in terms of whether the coronavirus was still lurking outside the home and uh, whether it was too dangerous to go outside. And, of course, that's another part of these protests. Even the, even the peaceful part of the protests, you know, people, for the most part, aren't necessarily wearing masks. Some of them are. They aren't certainly standing six feet apart in the protests, even the peaceful protests. And then, of course, when the protests have been hijacked by people who are turning them into violent free-for-alls and looting, 
they certainly aren't standing six feet apart, and most of them certainly aren't wearing masks. So it is going to cause a spread of coronavirus. And even for people who aren't in these groups, aren't outside, you know, near the protesters or near the looters, um, just for us sitting at home watching all this on television, it is very stressful. And what does stress do? I've talked about this before in previous shows. You should know this by now. Stress weakens our immune system. So even if we are sitting at home watching the news and watching all these violent, barbaric protests, it's going to be causing us stress, weakening our immune system, and making all of us more vulnerable to coronavirus when we go outside or just in general when someone comes to visit us at our home. It's just making us more vulnerable to catching coronavirus. Well, I will leave it here. And when we come back, we'll talk more about the pandemic, police brutality, and protests run amok. Stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch, where we're talking today about has the American psyche reached its tipping point? Pandemic, police brutality, and protests run amok. um, Things are are not good. (laughs) They're not good out there. And, you know, one sad thing is that if you, you know, there are probably people listening to this 
Maybe not. Maybe not. People who are listening to this, because you already know what you're going to get from me. I I tell it like it is. But there are people out there um, in the world who, if you dare to um, say something, criticize, uh, you know, all the looting and rioting and violence, uh, they quickly get defensive and say, you know, you're against the protests. Well, I'm not against the protests. I, I mean, I'm certainly not. A, I'm certainly not for police brutality, and I am not for racism. I am against all of that. But there are ways of doing something about it, and this what's happening now across America is not it. Um. Okay. So let me talk about some other issues related to what's going on in the world. Um. Let me give you an example. You know, I was talking before about how uh, our having to be in lockdown has robbed us of our humanity. And so that that is why when this incident happened, the policeman, uh, you know, standing in broad daylight with his knee on George Floyd's neck that ultimately killed him. Uh, and just looking around, you know, what's really sick is how this policeman was, you know, kneeling there. Um, in the middle of the road, in the middle of daylight, and um, looking around like not, you know, not feeling, well, he was, it was like he was not feeling anything. If anything, he was feeling glee, you know, that he was killing him. Um, and, and, of course, they didn't do anything to try to revive him when he eventually took his knee off and saw that uh, George Floyd wasn't moving. None of the cops did any CPR or anything. Anyhow... Um, so, of course, that kind of an incident is something that has to be protested about and something that has to be, you know, not just like walking in the street, but doing things in your neighborhood, wherever you are, to um, call the police department to task. You know, if your neighborhood doesn't have a citizen's group that's connected to the police department, for example, you know, kind of an overseeing group, then you should try to lobby to make that happen, um, you could ask for one of the things I think needs to happen is that police need to be, you know, you know before you be, can become a policeman, you have to go through certain tests, physical tests, and there are supposedly psychological tests. Um, how these, some of these people pass that, I don't know. But, um, but they did not, they don't, they don't repeat the psychological tests um, at periods of time once the person has become an officer. At least this varies according to where, where the uh, police department is. I'm not trying to say this is in every police department, but in too many police departments and sheriff departments, there is not enough of a follow-up to see whether the years on the job may have caused post-traumatic stress disorder in some of these um, police officers or sheriffs. And maybe they need a vacation, or maybe they need uh, time off, or maybe they need to go out on disability for psychological problems. I mean, it's easy to see uh, if a if a policeman gets injured, um, you know, in an in an arrest or gets shot or something like that. Physical things like that are easy to spot. And yes, then they get treatment and they you know are out for however much time they need and so on. But it's not as easy to see psychological things. So. I mean, for example, 
the uh, officer who had his knee on George Floyd's neck, I think if one did a did some psychological tests and examinations with a psychiatrist, uh, it would have been clear <laughs> that this man should no longer be a police officer. So that's these are the these are just examples of the kinds of things that should be happening. And if protests are turning violent because other people who have their own political agendas or they're just thugs are hijacking the people who want to be peaceful and make a point, then there need, the, the protests need to stop. As soon as there is an element of violence, they need to be stopped. And part of the problem is in a number of places... Um, like Beverly Hills and like in New York, it has been unbelievable to me and, and other places in Los Angeles um, and other places, you know, around the United States, there have been uh, instance, many instances where there starts to be violence and looting and the police just stand there and watch. Now, whether I've, and I've asked people about this and I actually was just talking to a journalist who was at one of these uh, protests gone awry with violence and looting, and he was asking the police, why are you just standing here? Why aren't you doing something? And could not get an answer. They did not want to talk. They did not want to explain it. Now, is it that they don't want to get killed? They're afraid that if they, you know, uh, start to break up the violence, that of course they're going to get injured. Well, you know, I mean, there are things that you can do, and sometimes it's been happening in some places, like throwing uh, tear gas, spraying tear gas, or rubber bullets. There are things you can do. How they can stand there, you know, to uh, uh, and just watch the looting and watch the violence uh, is really beyond, um, certainly beyond what is acceptable. I mean, if anybody is going to protest anything, it should be that. Anyhow, going in, in, on Rodeo Drive in Beverly Hills, um, there was uh, a protest that um, went awry, and there was violence, and there was looting. There were people smashing the windows and, you know, of these fancy stores and um, just running out. I mean, they have it all organized. A car, and not just on Beverly, uh, in, on Rodeo Drive in Beverly Hills. This has been happening all over. That a car pulls up, two or three or four people get out, they smash store windows, they run in, they grab stuff as quickly as they can, they run out, they jump into the car, and the car drives away. Again and again and again. And the cops just stand there and watch. Now, um, some of these people are going to be a bit surprised because at least in Los Angeles, and I'm sure it's going to happen in New York, well, I hope it's going to happen in New York, uh, and maybe other places, you know, now that there are videotapes, video uh, cameras, both in the streets, some of the streets, and on and private people taking video, and there's a call, of course, for people who have been taking video to send the video in to the police department. So some of these people who were in these cars or smashing the windows and looting uh, are going to get a big surprise in the next uh, weeks and months because um, they are going to be, the police are, and the investigators are going to be comparing the photos of the people in these videos 
to photos that they have, photos of gang members, for example, or any kind of photos that they already have access to. So more of these people are going to be getting arrested than think. They think they've gotten away with something, but more of them are going to get a big surprise. I mean, there have been some people who have been arrested already, but certainly nowhere near, I mean, maybe not even a tenth um, of all the people who have been violent and who have been looting. So anyway, on Rodeo Drive, um, not only did the... And Rodeo Drive, in case you haven't been here, is um, not that long. It's not that big. It's a, it's a wide street, nice street, um, and, but it only goes on... My office is right near Rodeo Drive, and supposedly, like, I haven't been to my office in weeks, Um, ever since we were in lockdown and I've been treating my patients by phone and by zoom, but, um, but I have been hearing on, in the media about, they mentioned my street, um, which is kind of a, you know, it's, there are a lot of nice stores on my street and, uh, it's a wide street also kind of like Rodeo drive. And they mentioned a few different streets and they were talking about putting, uh, police there, of course, if the police are doing the same as they did on Rodeo Drive, it's as good as nothing. Um, but anyhow, so on Rodeo Drive, while they were smashing and grabbing, um, they were chanting, some in the crowd, not, not the peaceful protesters, but the hijackers, um, the thugs, were chanting, eat the rich, eat the rich. So this isn't about George Floyd. I don't think many cops um, shop on Rodeo Drive. I'm sure some of them do. But, but it's not, if you wanted to hurt cops, you would not go to Rodeo Drive and ruin their stores. Um, so it is just about, it's, it's, well, eat the rich is cannibalism. And that illustrates the point that I'm making about how the lockdown and the deprivation of touch and hugs and handshakes and this ongoing deprivation for weeks and weeks and weeks has caused us to lose our humanity. And so when this incident happened in Minneapolis, the murder of George Floyd, it was like lighting a match, not only to people who have been angry about racism or people who have been angry about police brutality, but to all of us, to people who have been uh, locked up and missing um, the, the touch, missing, re- missing seeing other people as human beings. Now, I'm not saying, let me clarify that, I'm certainly not saying that we are all in the streets being violent and looting, but I'm saying that all of us, to some degree, have lost our humanity, and we need to get it back. None of this, uh, you know, remember a while back, um, when Fauci was saying we shouldn't have handshakes for a long time after coronavirus, after we come out of our homes. Of course, uh, Dr. Fauci has been going back and forth. He's, he's kind of a laughing stock now. Uh, he has changed what he has, his advice, um, you, you know, one, done, done 180s on his advice on just about everything. But anyhow, um, so when we do come out and when there aren't uh, people on our street corners, with um, bricks and rocks and things like that, we do need to have handshakes and hugs. And, um, and yes, you know, yes, we sh- are going to need to wear 
masks and have um, and have some social distancing for the most part. But certainly there are people that we each know who we feel safe with, not just the people who we've been locked up with in our homes, but friends and colleagues, you know, people who you know might not have been going around and being in these protests or being in these, uh, in these mobs um, who you feel safe with. We need to get back are um, are enough of our of our touchy feely um, human kinds of contact, or else this um, lack of humanity is going to keep spreading in many different ways. Uh, in New York City, that's you know I, I for me I hate to see things happening. Of course, in Los Angeles where I live but also in New York City, where I was born and bred, and where my heart still is. Um, In New York City, seeing people, the same kinds of things happening, people taking taking rocks and batons and all that kind of stuff to to windows and, and looting and being violent to each other, now, one thing that was interesting, there was a barrier in New- on a street in New York, not a, not a big barrier, maybe four feet, the kind that is metal, you can see through it, it's just like metal bars, but it, it's not really, um, it, it's just like for crowd control. Well, there were people, there was a whole crowd on, the, on one side of this barrier, and on the other side was a police car, an SUV. And people um, on the side where the crowd was were throwing all kinds of things at the police in the SUV. They were throwing bottles. They were throwing uh, probably bricks. They were throwing, they were just pelting the SUV of the police with stuff. And finally, the police, whoever was driving that car, had had enough. And he drove, he lost it. And he drove through the barrier, and through the crowd, mowing down pedestrians. Now, I'm sure there are a lot of people who use this, and this was on video, and it was, it's on the Internet, and it was pretty shocking, but um, this is what, you know, everybody has their breaking point, and people are not realizing that the more they taunt the police, the more they shoot the police. I mean, there have been police whose necks have been cut in all these melees. There have been p- police who have been shot. There have been lots of police who have been injured, pummeled. And what people don't get, the people who are doing this don't get or maybe just don't care, that the more they attack the police, the more the police will be frightened of them. In particular, Black Lives Matter. If they're making it, I mean, police, there is police brutality, particularly against blacks and against other minorities. I mean, that's true. Um, But the more that uh, Black Lives Matter um, have been, and this has been already going on for years, the more that they focus the police on the rage of the people who make up Black Lives Matter, the more the police are afraid of arresting black men, black people, African-Americans. So what happens is, and, and it spreads to other minorities too, and it spreads to even um, Caucasian people. There, it just makes the police more afraid of what is going to happen. I mean, certainly you have probably seen that, even just in a car 
you know, when you get stopped by a policeman um, when you're driving, you're pulled over, they used to be, <laughs> they used to be more friendly. Um, they used to be more willing to tell you what they're stopping you for. Now, when they walk up to your window, first of all, now they walk up to the passenger side window for the most part, like, depends where you live, but like, um, in a lot of, a lot of cases, a lot of places and cases, they walk up, they don't even walk up to the driver's side anymore, they're afraid, they walk up to the, to the passenger side. And um, they feel that they are taking their life in their hands because they don't know whether the person inside is going to have a gun or a knife or what they're going to do. And, of course, that's why, you know, the first thing you should be doing is to put your hands on the steering wheel to show them that you don't have any kind of weapon. But the more that, the, that it's concentrated on Black Lives Matter, on minorities, the more the police are going to be afraid of especially black lives and especially other minorities and people in general. And then the more they are feeling, will feel justified in overreacting by using excessive force because, you know, there are only, there are these levels of force that you're allowed to use and, um, you, uh, can use certain ones or you're supposed to use certain ones depending upon how much your life is in danger, just how much of a risk you think that the person uh, poses to you. Well, if they think that people are going to pose a life-threatening risk to them, they are going to feel more justified in overreacting by using, by an excessive use of force. So this is really working the wrong way. It is doing the exact wrong thing that even the peaceful protesters are trying to make happen, which is, um, which is less brutality. I, I mean, it's really, it's really working. Uh, it's, it's sabotaging themselves. Well, when we come back, I'll get into this more. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com 
Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch, where we're talking today about has the American psyche reached its tipping point? Pandemic, police brutality, and protests run amok. Are you feeling a little bit crazy <laughs> with the craziness that there is in the world? You're not alone. Let's see. Uh, you know, talking about crazy, <laughs> you know, there are things that we are seeing now that we have never seen before. The animalistic brutality. Um, the, the you know, I was talking before about how they were chanting "Eat, eat the rich." in Beverly Hills, cannibalism. I mean, I'm not trying to say that I think, (laughs) well, I'm not saying that anybody um, did actually eat anybody in Beverly Hills or anyplace else, but it's the the fantasy, certainly. Um, Now, interestingly, oh, talking about another kind of crazy thing, the outrageous, the the borders or the envelope is being pushed. Um, There were in many places like Minnesota, Minneapolis, where this all began, and in Washington, D.C., and in other places, the police were even violent against journalists. You know, I mean, I was talking before the break about how the police are being frightened by the animalistic, savage violence of the people in the streets. And so um, they are reacting in ways that they in more violent ways, more aggressive ways than they ever did before the police. Like I was talking about the car that went through the barricade and mowed down pedestrians in New York. So there are different uh, videos and stories about journalists all over um, who have had encounters with the police where the (laughs) the police tried to get them to move from a certain spot and, um, you know, wherever they were. And they would hold up their press passes and say, I'm press, I'm media, I'm a journalist. And the police wouldn't care. And the police was spraying them with these rubber bullets and, um, and tear gas and all kinds of things. Now, that has never happened uh, to media before. So, you know, it's kind of another example of the police sort of losing it after all of, the, after all of this aggression is being directed towards them, not by the journalists, but by all the other people in the street. Not all the other people in the street trying to be really careful, not the peaceful protesters, but the peaceful protesters are left in the dust with the thugs who are, you know, just uh, just beating up people and hitting people with, with the um, batons and, and shooting people even. So now another interesting um, aspect of this whole story is that some celebrities are reacting to this by saying defund the police. 
defund the police, take away their money. Well, you know, it's easy for these celebrities to say that when they can afford high fences, um, houses with lots of land with fences on the outside and um, uh, alarm systems and private security, um, you know, they're feeling like maybe they don't need the police, which is not true. Um, because, they're, you know, when there are criminals and terrorists, um, we do need police, even the celebrities, even the ones who are saying that. It was interesting. You know, you can see on social media some of the uh, comments to the stories of, of these celebrities saying defund the police. You know, there are some uh, lots of bad <laughs> reactions, you know, saying uh, we'll, t- we'll send them to your house and you can feed them or something like that, you know, or, or saying, um, what are you going to do when you need the police? Anyhow, um, so there's that. I mean, you know, everybody has their own idea, and people are just going, the point is, people are going crazy. The American psyche has reached its, its tipping point, is my point. Um, now, many of the um, po- people who came to simply protest against police brutality have gotten swept up in the mania of barbarism and have become indistinguishable from these extremist groups who are there to provoke more unrest and um, from those who saw it as an opportunity to steal, especially, you know, especially if they are wearing masks. I mean, there are some people who are wearing masks um, primarily so that they are not going to be seen or recognized completely on these video cameras. So what can we do about all this whole mess? Well, one thing we can do is, um, oh, before I get into what we can do, <laughs> I want to tell you about another um, outrageous thing that's happening that I was tweeting about. Um, by the way, if you want to follow me on Twitter, my Twitter handle is at Dr. Carol MD, which is at D R C A R O L E M D. Um, so I was tweeting. I've been tweeting up a storm because so many things have been have been making me outraged about all of this. Um, I tweeted. The first thing that I tweeted was. Uh, some, I retweeted somebody's video. It was a video where they wrote Manhattan right now, and it's a video of people smashing the windows um, of high-priced stores um, in Manhattan. So I tweeted, George Floyd murder is not an excuse for barbaric violence and looting. Coronavirus pandemic and, light and lockdown isolation, no hugs or handshakes, made us lose our humanity and erupt more savagely than ever. Wrong way to stop racism. Then I um, tweeted a picture um, from the, um, that was a picture of Beverly Hills. It was a video or it was an article. Um, No, I guess it's a video. Protesters chant, eat the rich while marching down Rodeo. Yes, that really, uh, that cannibalism really got to me. So I tweeted that picture and um, I wrote, rioters shout, eat the rich as they smash and grab on Rodeo Drive. This isn't about George Floyd's murder 
or police brutality. Most police don't shop on Rodeo Drive. Looting is not protesting. People are angry over coronavirus, mortality, lockdown, false CDC and WHO advice. Then there was this, um, this commercial that Nike put out that, you know, Nike is the company that um, also did ads with Colin Kaepernick, who um, is the football player who took a knee and refused to salute the flag and, um, and, and the national anthem and to stand during the national anthem. And I have been and still am outraged at that. Um, and that, you know, that happened, I don't know, that, that was like a couple of years ago, at least. And yet um, that same sentiment, that same anti-American angry sentiment um, is still here in some people. Not fortunately, it is not the majority of Americans. I know a lot of people listen to this from all different countries. I don't want you to get the wrong impression. The majority of Americans are very grateful to live here and uh, love the flag, love the national anthem, stand, salute, put their hand over their heart, all of that. There are just a few bad apples <laughs> in amongst the uh, population. And Colin Kaepernick is one of them. So Nike, so I tweeted, boycott Nike because their new ad fuels riots and looting while pretending to care about George Floyd. Ad says don't do it. They don't mean don't riot and loot. The ad goes on to say don't sit back and be silent. With a wink and a nod to Kaepernick, they encourage more violence. The ad um, go, goes on. It says don't turn your back on racism and so on. But, you know, don't do it. In other words, instead of do it, it's don't do it. So at first I thought, oh, wow, they're saying they're telling people not to uh, riot, not to loot. That's really cool. And then I looked at the whole ad and they're not saying that at all. In fact, they're inciting people to riot. Then I tweeted something, little kids, uh, pictures of little kids. This is a video also. Watch little kids loot liquor store in Philadelphia. So I wrote little kids looting liquor stores not because they care about George Floyd, but because they see parents rioting like animals. So copy them and take what they want. No cops to be seen. Kids are learning rage and anarchy, not peaceful protests. Sad. Then, um, last, but well, I, I, we're kind of running out of time. Let me do, oh, the thing that I wanted, I, I posted a whole bunch of other things, but, um, but one of the things that I found super outrageous was um, protesters gone mad. Unbelievable. Props helping rioters destroy America should be fired immediately for teaching hate and arrested for hate crime. How many students have they been quietly turning into radicals intent on destroying our country? Obviously too many. This is a video of um, or an article about professors around the country offer assistance and support to rioters. Professors. I, I was just and still am blown away by that. Um, professors, we're talking about college professors who, you know, this is who is uh, teaching the next generations of America and they're teaching them to riot and be violent and they're helping them. 
I mean, these are just things that, that are just literally hard to believe. Anyhow, um, we're running out of time, so I will say that um, one of the things that I think could be done to help calm, uh, well, one thing, the National Guard should be brought in to those places where it hasn't been brought in yet. It should be brought in, and they should not be just standing around watching. Uh, Same thing with the police. They should not be standing around watching. They should be doing something. They should be stopping the looters, stopping the violence. Um, So, you know, in in California, uh, Governor Newsom, who I'm usually not happy with, he actually did call in the National Guard. I give him credit for that. It was too little too late, but at least they're here now. And I'm not sure how much they are uh, actually doing, (laughs) but their presence is somewhat of a deterrent. In New York, however... Um, the mayor and the governor of New York, Cuomo needs to be fired. Both of them need to be fired um, because they did not call in the National Guard. And as I said, the police are just standing around doing nothing, watching the people be violent and loot. Um, So one of the things that could be done also that's important is the uh, authorities in Minneapolis need to charge, I think I may have mentioned this at the beginning, but it is worth mentioning again, the police officers involved in George Floyd's murder in Minneapolis need to be all arrested, not just the main guy, Derek Chauvin, um, but all the others. There were two others who were on his back, one other who was like a lookout, and then there were some other police involved in it as well, but there were at least uh, those four that are the main guys. And uh, they should be, so the rest of them should be arrested. They should all be charged with murder. Derek should be the main guy, should be charged with first-degree murder, and then the other ones with third-degree or um, at least third-degree. And that would show people that um, their protests have resulted in something and hopefully uh, calm them and stop them because enough is enough. I mean, the protesters should do the right thing and stop protesting themselves because, unfortunately, their protests have been hijacked. Well, thank you for listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.